Impact Hustlers, the podcast on entrepreneurs and changemakers that are creating solutions to the world's biggest problems. Impact Hustlers is brought to you by Fast Forward 2030 and Real Changers. Visit fastforward.com to learn how to include the global goals into your business model and realchangers.com to find talent and careers with impact. And this is your host, Maiko Shafrat. In today's episode, I talk to Arthur K, founder and deputy chairman of BioBean, a company recycling waste coffee grounds into renewable energy sources. BioBean is working with coffee shops that previously had to pay to dispose of their waste coffee grounds and uses their waste to create biofuels that are used in some of London's buses, for example, or as alternative to wooden logs for people that have a fireplace at home. Arthur has been named a Forbes 30 Under 30 and a Sustainable Business Leader of the Year, amongst many other titles. So it's very great to have you on the show, Arthur. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. How did you first discover the problem? You have a background of architecture. You studied architecture. How did you discover the problem of coffee grounds being, being able to recycle to fuels? How, how did you come across that problem? Yeah, so what Biobin does is we turn waste coffee grounds into a range of different advanced biofuels. So we save customers money by um, collecting waste coffee grounds from thousands of coffee shops across the UK, as well as big instant coffee factories. And then we turn them into a range of fuels that, as you mentioned in your introduction, can be used as a cost-effective and carbon-neutral alternative to you know, fossil fuels. The, it's a very, very random problem to be interested in solving. And my interest is really not from... I guess, a waste perspective, or even necessarily from an energy perspective. It came from the perspective of being very interested in cities and how they work. And so that was really, you mentioned I trained as an architect. That was really my main interest is how you can make cities more efficient and more effective places to live. And that took me into some very weird places, one of which was um, the weird and wonderful world of, of waste and waste coffee grounds. And it was whilst I was designing a coffee shop and coffee factory, one of the joyous tasks you're set to do at architecture school that i i came up with this idea about basically what happens to the waste coffee grounds because you see when you drink an instant coffee for example as i'm depressingly doing here you end up with your your coffee dissolves in your, your the coffee granules dissolve in the cup and you never really think what happens to all the waste grounds that happen afterwards and bizarrely there are these huge instant coffee factories in the UK, up the supply chain, where tens of thousands of tons of waste coffee grounds get disposed of every year. And it costs those companies millions and millions of pounds a year and produces millions of tons in terms of CO2 emissions each year. And so whilst all of my um, fellow architecture colleagues were getting increasingly interested in how you design a building, what the fenestration looks like, how we're going to do the facade, I got very interested in the waste coffee grounds and then came up with this technology to be able to extract the oils from the waste coffee grounds turn those oils into biodiesel to be used instead of fossil diesel and then to turn the residual biomass the leftovers once you've taken the oil out into biomass pellets and now also coffee logs which are very excitingly they are what they say on the tin they're logs made of waste coffee grounds oh so you basically create at least two products out of the waste of coffee so you get some bioethanol is that right uh and some 
some of these coffee locks, right? Well, we, we get several products, in fact. So, we, yeah, so we get a, we make a biodiesel. So we extract the coffee oil and then we use a process called transesterification to turn that into biodiesel. And that's then blended with mineral diesel and used in a standard car engine or bus engine. And then also the leftovers we then turn into one of two products. One is the coffee log and then the other with biomass pellets, which are used instead of coal traditionally or wood pellets in big, big uh, furnaces. Mm. Mm. Um, okay, that's, that sounds like a good idea, obviously, right? There's waste. You can create some resource out of the waste, um, the, some energy that would have gone to waste before it's being used. That's great. Um, is there any other reason why it is a good idea to do this? Is like, what are the properties of this fuel? Is this like just as good as normal diesel like so the main thing is around turning waste into usable fuels and the operative word there being usable because there's a whole bunch of waste streams that you can turn into power of various different forms so it's incredibly expensive to do so and then typically that infrastructure doesn't necessarily exist to be able to take that and so the, our main focus at biobean has been around how do you make a waste stream into fuels that can be used today to within the existing energy system to reduce cost and reduce emissions. And typically a, an energy solution of this ilk will end up being quite a sexy idea, but phenomenally expensive. And so our main driver has been, how can you make this at least as inexpensive as a conventional fuel, ideally even less expensive, but also how you can reduce a lot of CO2 emissions at the same time, but critically used within the existing energy infrastructure. So often, You know, you come have a really cool, sexy new product, but then you've got you find out that when you try and actually implement it, you've got to spend millions or tens of millions of pounds in terms of actually refl replacing the infrastructure. You know, whether it be the power ca power cables or whether it be the biomass boiler, that's actually required for it. So our main thing was that they had to be able to use, you know, our biodiesel. You can use not normal diesel and use our biodiesel, and no changes to the engine. It doesn't even disrupt the engine's warranty. So these things that are very boring to talk about but incredibly important are our main driver. It has to be less expensive, very good in terms of CO2 savings and no changes to the existing infrastructure. Mm. That's great if you plug in into what's out there right now, right? Uh, everybody's talking about electric, uh, and I'm sure it's coming. How, how would you look at that? Uh, will Biobean shut down then, or how does it all work in terms of the electric mobility revolution? So electric is a is one of these fantastic things on paper that sounds amazing. Can everything be electric? Yes, but then the the challenges with electric is just how long it's going to take us to get there. And so this is so fuels like the ones we create are very very low carbon carbon neutral alternatives um, that can be delivered today. So the challenge with electric is even in the UK, if tomorrow we went from you know, mineral diesel and petrol cars using internal combustion engines to electric, the grid would collapse. Like, we, we literally could not do it. On top of that, at the moment, you've got several trillion pounds of infrastructure cost in the form of cars and buses and trucks on the road that would be wiped off the balance sheet if, that, if we're going to slip to electric. So there's economic reasons, there's feasibility reasons in terms of that, but also really, really depressingly, there are also environmental reasons why moving to electric tomorrow is not a good idea. So at the moment, if you, somewhere like the Netherlands, which is a very, very green country in terms of they've got a very, or I'm saying green in inverted commas for the listeners, because they've got an incredibly high number of Teslas per capita, which is a great thing. Like I love Tesla, very cool product. The problem is that at the moment, when they use, they, you know, you have a very kind of worthy Dutchman driving around in his Tesla, At the moment, if he used to drive that around in Amsterdam, it'd be much, much, much greener from a CO2 perspective for him to be driving 
a diesel car around Amsterdam. And that's like, wow, why is this the case? The problem is, is that at the moment, most, if not, not all, but a large majority of um, power generation still comes from coal. At the best case, natural gas, but still a large portion comes from coal. And so it's very good to be able to use your electric vehicle if the whole supply chain is green. But the problem is at the moment, a large chunk still comes from coal and at best natural gas. And so the question is not about should we move to it? The answer is definitely we should. But the challenge is how do we move from a predominantly fossil-based society to a one that wants to be a renewables power-based society. And these transition fuels, such as advanced biofuels, are critical to that transition and make sure we do it in a cost-effective Mm -hmm. low carbon way mm -hmm. uh, i'll ask again about the co2 um emissions right um from my point of view obviously if you burn uh your fuels it's going to produce co2 emissions right um how, how do you look at that how does the supply chain with bio bean how is that more sustainable than for example just putting normal diesel into the tank so if you use, um, from a CO2 perspective, the fuels classify as carbon neutral, and even that's a normal biofuel classifies as carbon neutral because it's recently sequestered from the atmosphere, but still more so in what are known as advanced biofuels. So biobean manufactures advanced biofuels, which are made from waste products, so they're second generation or advanced biofuels. And if you're going to, for example, let's just take one of our products, let's take the coffee logs. So you're going to use a piece of wood or a piece of coal or a coffee log. So you have two different savings there in terms of your CO2 savings. The first is that you have, at the moment, waste coffee grounds are going to anaerobic or landfill where they produce methane or CO and CO2 emissions. So that is a environmental impact there. And then secondly, if the coffee logs didn't exist, you're going to be burning a coal or a wood product and therefore you're saving CO2 there. And so the combined saving of those two works out as roughly 6.8 tonnes in CO2 savings per tonne of waste coffee grounds recycled. So it's a very, very significant saving. And to put that into perspective in terms of the, to quantify that for listeners, that's the equivalent of, from one tonne of waste coffee grounds, that's the equivalent of driving a London taxi cab from here in uh, Westminster, where we're sitting, all the way to central Beijing and back twice. And that's from a single tonne of that recycled. Our factory at the moment recycles tens of thousands of tonnes of waste coffee grounds each year. So it's a very, very significant saving when compared to the current alternatives out there. Amazing. Let's talk a bit about your entrepreneurial journey. Uh, we talked about how you discovered the problem, first of all. I'd like to talk a bit about the practicalities of basically starting a bioengineering, chemical engineering company as an architect. <laughs> how, how did you start out? How, how did you go about solving for this chemical engineering problem as an architect like do you just try everything yourself <laughs> yeah <laughs> did you have co-founders in the space like how do you figure out to solve this engineering problem first of all before then going out and selling the products no it's a it's a great question and one that um frankly we approached incredibly naively um and i don't think we would have actually started the company if we'd known some of the challenges we we're going to face on the way so I was an architect in my very early 20s at the time, my first proper job, and knew very, very, very little, well, nothing about waste, nothing about manufacturing, nothing about entrepreneurship, and certainly nothing about chemical engineering. So the main thing was around trying to get the right people around me to be able to educate me, yes, but also to build a team that was capable of doing some of those things. And it was all trying to do it very, very, very incrementally. I found, kind of six months ago, found our first business plan, which was you know year one, 
we're going to go out and we're going to build a 20,000 tonne integrated biorefinery, uh, which would have cost us, I think the quote we sent it out to tender, I think it was going to cost us around $180 million. Um, so we'd quickly abandoned that plan. <laughs> um, <laughs> the second plan was a slightly more cost-effective version. And then eventually what we did was develop a much more, um, yeah, I, I guess what today would be called kind of a lean startup methodology, but in the manufacturing space. And so we're unusual in that we you know, went out and we built factories. We designed products from scratch. We got a number of products patented. We went through everything from will be you know, vertic- fully vertically integrated, which I would say again to anyone listening and what I'm doing in my ventures now, I am not doing this approach because we went full vertical integration. We, owned every- we were planning on owning everything from the person who picked up the waste coffee grounds all the way through to the outlet through which we sold the fuels. We have since refined that slightly. So now we simply own factories and research and development facilities and that sort of stuff, but still we're in very, very capital intensive and very complex systems to be owning in-house for an early stage company doing something totally new that's never been done before. So we fa- we had a lot of, um, as you'd expect, bumps along the road, a lot of um, challenges and found out, learned a huge amount of things about the joys and properties of everything, you know, coffee, as well as the typical kind of startup challenges of finance, personnel, premises etc etc hmm. um what do you think is still the biggest challenge that you maybe as biobe need to overcome or maybe a bit broader but the industry the biofuel industry needs to overcome is there like a opportunities to kind of improve even more in terms of the efficiency of it or what else is an opportunity for for the coming years so more generally with the biofuels industry, the challenge is always going to be around the how you can achieve very, very large economies of scale when you're competing against um, fossil-derived products, so particularly the oil majors or super majors. The challenges of that are typically, it's a very um, specific answer I'm going to give, but it's specifically around standardization of feedstocks. Um, I don't think this would necessarily apply to all of your listeners, but anyone out there who's thinking of starting a bioenergy business of any sort, this is a critical point. But the standardization of feedstocks is such a big issue in the industry, I can't even tell you. And so we were actually very lucky in that the idea that we've been working on has been specifically around waste coffee grounds. Waste coffee grounds are amazing for a number of reasons, which I won't bore you with today. But one of the most important reasons as to why that works in terms of the bioenergy industry is around the fact that waste coffee grounds are owned by relatively few organisations in the world, which sounds weird because loads of people drink coffee. But in fact, instant coffee manufacturing is owned by very few organisations because it's a very complex process and they own a lot of the waste coffee grounds in the world. And then also, typically when you drink your coffee out and about, so you go to, in the UK, somewhere like Costa Coffee, or Starbucks, the co- you take you may take your cup away with you, and you'll definitely take the liquid away from you because you're paying for your flavored water, coffee flavored water. But the waste grounds always stay behind the counter, and so relatively few organisations own coffee grounds, and it's a relatively homogeneous feedstock that you don't have often a whole bunch of other stuff thrown in with it. So you don't have like your your kitchen bin at home with a whole bunch of random stuff in there. And so the fact that you have a standard and clean feedstock is really, really important to be able to make a standard fuel from that feedstock. And so the biggest challenge to the industry is really around the scale of that and the homogeneity of that, those feedstocks, which is very, very, very challenging. And there's not actually a quick fix 
to it is around how the world currently works so is that a problem not so much with coffee you said right but more with other types of waste that could be recycled and uh, it, it still is with it still way? is with coffee but mm. coffee much less so than other other waste streams for example i mean i advise a number of companies in the space who are doing circular economy-esque products or services a number of them people come to me with ideas around you know can we do this with avocado stones or can we do this with tea bags or can we do you know a whole you name it someone's trying to do something with it and the challenge with a lot of those is not around whether you can technically do it because you can technically do most things it's, that's not the challenge the challenge is and you can usually find some quite interesting things in there the challenge is around how you can aggregate enough of the st same feedstock in a standardized way that means that you can actually deliver a commercially viable business from the, off the back of that mm. and i guess the scalability is the question right do you do you have an issue of scalability or um is there so much coffee that it will take you a lot of time until you hit hit the level that you're using all the recycled coffee grounds so yeah there's a firstly there's a huge amount of waste coffee grounds out there so in the from a tonnage perspective in the uk there's 500,000 tons of waste coffee grounds produced each year and globally it's in the tens of millions of tons produced each year so there's a lot of feedstock out there um, will we ever um, be a company of the size of an Exxon Mobil? No, there's not. There's not enough of that. There's not. There's not more coffee than there is uh, uh, crude oil, kind of thing. But there is a for lot now, of it for, for now. now. Let's uh, see. No, no, well, after even, peak oil, <laughs> never. I would say never. <laughs> but there may be one day. Um, but there's definitely enough to build several very large companies off the back of that feedstock and off other feedstocks as well. So scalability is a part of it, but it'll be scaled to an extent. It's not going to be a, you know, 100 billion pound organization. It'll always be a niche. However, within the the waste industry, and let's even split that down to, let's say, the organic segregated waste industry. So rather than inorganic and merged, so organic segregated waste industry, there is enough different and interesting waste streams there to build hundreds of billions of pounds worth of value from those different f feedstocks everything from advanced biochemicals where you can extract very interesting uh, chemicals for applications in you know food products in pharmaceutical products even in uh, industrial processes that's interesting but also from the waste collection side it's interesting and also a whole range of different bioenergy applications as well as biobeans already doing mm. Um, I think what's interesting about your business model is that obviously you're benefiting different people across your supply chain and across what you're doing, um, which I think a lot of early stage founders I talk to um, sometimes take some time to understand like, okay, I actually need to get my different stakeholders on board. If my core suppliers, for example, the coffee chains, if they wouldn't have any interest on in giving you their coffee grounds, like your business model wouldn't work right so what 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 i found interesting is the coffee chains or the producers they're actually paying right now to get rid of these coffee grounds you're taking them for free but then you use it as a cheap resource to then create a product that you can sell and make money off what would your advice be to like early stage entrepreneurs that maybe are thinking about setting up something in the energy space more broadly um in terms of that like how how can you develop? Did you get to that business model straight away, or what? What does it take for people to? What advice can you mm. give people to develop something like that, where you Definitely. actually get everybody on board? Yeah. So one thing to correct you on slightly there is that we 
by being partners with a number of waste management companies, those waste management companies do charge a small amount to people who produce waste coffee grounds to collect the grounds. So there are two re- revenue streams, admittedly small revenue streams on in terms of that collection side. But in terms of advice I'd give to, I'll, I'll, I'll broaden out, not specifically to energy or waste entrepreneurs, but to people who are looking to do stuff in the social and environmental space more generally, is that don't get lured in by CSR programs and by talking to the chief sustainability officer or some of that or innovation officer or some of that ilk. Depressing as though as it may be, we spent a long, long, long time talking to people who on paper seem to be high up the organogram of the organization, but you need to come up with a commercial and economic sell first and foremost. And it's depressing to say it. But that is what's going to make or break your organization. And so making sure that from a, it's phenomenal. And I would also strongly encourage everyone, regardless of whether they currently think of themselves as a social environmental entrepreneur, to have social and environmental impact built into their business model. So that's a separate point. But even if you're the most cuddly, exciting, socially impactful and environmentally impactful organization, make sure that it stacks up economically for the person you're selling to big time. And also make sure that when you're selling it into those organizations, the first, second and third thing you say are, this is going to save you money. This is going to save you money. This is going to save you money or make you more money, whatever it happens to be. On top of that, it also saves this much CO2. On top of that, we also employ these under under um, privileged people or under appreciated people at the moment. We also do X, Y, Z. And those are all very, very important and nice things to have in addition to that. But it's not going to work, sadly, unless you ensure that that economic story is built into your not built into is central to your sales process and the mistake that we made for years and still to an extent continue to make is being uh, lured in by the often very generous and cuddly advertising by often consumer facing organizations who say on their websites pages you know on their under their csr section we you know, do this, that, the other. And they do do those things. I'm not saying they don't. It's more that the person who makes the decision at the end of the day is going to be commercially led. And we just need to recognize that. Mm, that's great advice. I think you always need a, if you're selling to people, you always need a strong argument. And we're just a good company that tries to have a good impact as you need to save money for people or make money for people. I think it's a good summary. Uh, lastly, I'd like to ask you, if you look at the next 10 years of BioBean, What's the sort of world you're trying to create beyond what you've already achieved? Um, what is it that you'd like the world to look like in 10 years? So there are really two elements of this. First is very specifically towards BioBean. So it's around, at the moment, we're based in the UK. We've got a factory in Alcumbria and Cambridgeshire and offices and laboratories in, in London. And so part of it is around expanding BioBean internationally, uh, particularly to the European continent, Northern Europe in particular, where huge amounts of instant coffee are made and lots of coffee is drunk. So expanding by being to Europe and North America is a huge move for us and something that we're really focused on doing at the moment and making sure that wherever you're drinking coffee, it's being recycled and you know that it's saving a lot of CO2 and also saving those companies money. But in terms of more broadly, in terms of what we're trying to do and what we're trying to prove is that 
from an environmental perspective and from a circular economy perspective, there are ways that you can build incredibly successful companies that stand on the road two feet, which are based entirely around the concept of the circular economy and how you can take a waste product and turn it into a range of different valuable resources. And to be one of the few examples of that happening at scale, making money and saving a huge amount in terms of CO2 emissions are central to what we're doing. We want to make sure that this inspires other industries to do similar things with their waste streams and make sure that you're turning, you're not, you know, the thing we always say is that there's no such thing as waste. There are simply resources in the wrong place. And to make sure that mindset and philosophy is built into everything we do. And we just need to find the ways to unlock that value that exists there. That's a great mission to be on. Uh, thank you very much for joining me today. Um, uh, and all the best for, for BioBean and all, all the, the other ventures that are to come. Uh, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks. This Perfect. was Impact Hustlers. Impact Hustlers is brought to you by Fast Forward 2030 and Real Changers. Visit fastforward.com to learn how to include the global goals into your business model and realchangers.com to find talent and careers with impact.